Yeah, a lot of good stuff today uh, here. Um, again, as we continue on Jesus, and, and as you heard in the children's message, I think uh, so important that uh, we open the book uh, because without opening the book, we'll just never know what it says. I mean, that's an obvious thing, right? But even knowing that, I think out of all the books, sometimes um, the book stays a little too pristine on the shelf, if you know what I mean. Uh, so definitely, this is a time, and it's good to see everyone here. Um, it's good to run out of copies of, of uh, Bible study. And I didn't even make little copies today. I made a pretty decent amount. I'm like, oh, we should be fine. But we weren't, so Jeff made more, which is good. And those at home? Um, uh, God be with you. I don't know why I gave you the peace sign, but any good God be with you today. <laughs> and um, may this word also go well with you. Why don't we start with a word of prayer? Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know that uh, you are above all, uh, above all of us, uh, whether it is of the Levitical priesthood and all that they had done. But Lord, that you give us the once and for all sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, bless us to stay in the comfort of salvation, knowing full well that we are assured and that you have the greater gift, and that is in your sacrifice. Bless us this day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, today, as we continue on uh, uh, Hebrew 7, 11 to 19 here, uh, I'm pretty sure we'll get through this today, uh, as it is only eight verses. But here we see... Um, the continual comparison uh, from the Levitic, Levitical priesthood, uh, that is, you know, the Old Testament line of, of, uh, of the Levites, which uh, from this priest, priestly line, uh, there would be uh, the priest that would have the duty to sacrifice uh, for the sins of the people. Now, the key point here is that, uh, as we'll see, the writers trying to show the Old Testament or the Hebrews that were trusting in the Old Testament ways of life that this wasn't, this wasn't the finality of what their life of faith was about, but actually an anticipation of what was to come in Jesus Christ. And the great conflict that we see for the Hebrews is that it was more of a compartmentalizing or, let's say, not an anticipation, but this is just what we'll do because we're used to it, and this is what we've always done since the Old Testament. The, 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 what the writer's trying to do here is saying, look, this all points to something greater, and that is uh, to the order of uh, Melchizedek, that is the type of Christ, that is the Christ who is uh, eternal and whose priesthood lasts forever. And, and that's the key here, to get them back to only Christ. And for us, we might not have uh, Old Testament trust in the Le Levitical. I can't, Levitical is such a tough word to say. Levitical, Levitical. Uh, it's such a tough word to say off the top of my tongue. But we don't trust in the Levitical priesthood, of course. But when we talk about just the theme of compartmentalizing, I mean, who compartmentalizes here in their life? Raise your hand. Do we? We do, right? Um, compartmentalizing? Um, it, what does compartmentalizing mean? Like, it, can someone give... shut certain situations away in a little box and 
box, and then when you're ready to take it out, you take it out, you look at it, and then when you're done, you put it away. You don't think about it anymore. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's what the dictionary should say, right? Um, yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, this is this, this is that. Did you have to bring up taxes? I was waiting. This year I got to do my mom and my father-in-law and me. Oh. Again, but it'll be enough. I'm really worried, but I guess I'm compartmentalizing and I'm not going to think about it until like... Yes, April even, too, if you wanted to. No, that's what panic mode sets in. I know. But, uh, um, but no, I think when we talk about compartmentalizing our faith, I think a lot of times it's there is a detachment from Christ in our daily life. And as Ashley said, yeah, we just put it in a box, put it away, don't think about it, and then we go on with our life. And, and here we see it's not exactly the same with the Hebrews, but definitely there was a detachment from what the Old Testament priests were doing as a foretelling rather than just this is what it is and this is what we'll trust. And because of it, Christ was always blurried a little about his unique work for the sins of the world, right? So it's very important that um, uh, we see this for that. Anyways, uh, compartmentalizing. I think we all do it, whether we know it or not. Um, I think a, a good defin- definition of a Christian compartmentalizing would be like the term Sunday Christian, right? Which means what? Basically what Ashley said, I think. Yeah. It means... And then watch the Rams game, right? And they will win today. Wait, are you laughing that they will win today? Or are, are, I, I, the 49ers won. I want to see that matchup next week. 49ers-Rams for the third time. And hopefully the Rams will actually win. Which they've lost twice this year against the 49ers. But anyways, that's not the point today. But uh, verse 11, speaking of that, verse 11, why don't we continue? So could read that for me. Okay, so Melchizedek, who is Melchizedek? We see right there uh, uh, back um, in verse 3. If you look at your Bible there, he is uh, without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. So uh, after the order of Aaron, uh, why do you need a Levitical line? Because people die, right? It's, it's handed down, right? So when you talk about the order of Melchizedek, as we, Melchizedek, as we see right here, um, it is of the priesthood is eternal. So there is no, uh, there is no need for someone to, uh, what's the word? Uh, someone to uh, hand me down uh, uh, to the next line, but rather in Christ, uh, there is the true priest. Now, here in verse 11, it says, Now if perfection had been attained through the Levitical priesthood. So, that now if shows us that there is, I think I kind of mentioned this in the sermon about if, but there the, the, the writer is saying, what about the Levitical priesthood with the word if? Iffy. Iffy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That there is definitely 
doubt or uncertainty in what they had done. Now, was this mandated by the Old Testament? Yes, but this was all uh, looking forward to what is to come in the true sacrifice of Christ. And it doesn't just compartmentalize and stay within the Levitical priesthood, but all the sacrifices that they did, they would have to do what? Over That's right, over and over again, like a record on a, vine, on a turntable. Just over and over again, like a broken record it would be, because that's, that's what they had to do in a sense of their sins. Now, when Jesus comes to the table, um, is there an if? No. no. And is there an over and over and over? No. no. There is the all-atoning, what is that, at one basically, how are we at one with Christ? By his sacrifice. So once and for all, this was done. Because he is Jesus, how is he described? Uh, in the order of Melchizedek, without any beginning nor end, eternal, right? Um, and, and here we see clearly that the if is, if is fulfilled in what is to come from the Old Testament to the New, and that is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is perfection. If the Old Testament perfection of the, the priesthood, of, of Le, the Levitical priesthood, would push or would do or deliver them eternal gifts, uh, there would be no need for who? Christ, right? But here we see clearly the writer saying, no, look, Jesus is the fulfillment of all that was done in the Old Testament, that this is what it was pointing to, right? That's why the Old Testament faithful, they were faithful because they were doing what? They were anticipating what? Christ, Christ right? They were looking forward to what is to come. And that's what faith is all about. It's always looking forward, and for us, right? It is to looking forward to his final return. That's right. So uh, clearly when we talk about this if, it really does cast a shadow of doubt, a big shadow of doubt uh, in, the, in the people because that's what they were trusting for, perfection, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so read those notes. Anyways. Um, <laughs> again, why do I write notes? Anyways, um, yeah, oh, yeah, so, as discussed earlier uh, on verse 11 of your notes, in regards to Abraham and his tithe, again, that was another, what was it, another indicator uh, that there, were, there was and is the high priest before the Levitical line as Abraham would tithe to Melchizedek as a, as a sign to which, yeah, you know, just as you guys did, Abraham did, what did we talk about last week, from the loins uh, of Abraham, so all his seed, in, in essence, would be giving to the pre-Levitical line high priest. So therefore, the writer is saying, I think, right, yeah, right there in verse 19 as we, or, sorry, my eyes. See, Tina has to look far away. I have to look. <laughs> I know. I'm wearing my contacts, and I'm like this. Anyways, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor, verse 10, when Melchizedek met him. And again, that's the picture of what the writer is saying. This is what it is all pointed to, and that is of Christ, right? So, so again, perfection. What is that perfection? Are you perfect? Um, and the answer is yes. Why? <laughs> because there is 
the superior, true, once and for all high priest for you, right? <clears throat> all right, that's good. Verse 12. <laughs> Someone can read that for me. All right, so um, so for Christ, let's see right there in Romans 10, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now there is that switch. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. What does that mean? Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Why does the law change when Jesus comes onto the scene? He doesn't come to abolish the law, right? As it says in the Bible, but why... why why does this change? What is that great reversal as we see right here on this picture? What, how does this connect with what we just read right there in Romans 10, 4, or also um, in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter well, 7? Instead of looking forward, it, it now, just like this morning, this is now. This is, he is proclaiming that he is what, is what has been foretold. And so there's no doubt because of what he states, what he's claiming, and that he is the fulfillment as opposed to being um, someone who uh, embraces the law or further advocates it. He is the fulfillment of the law. Yeah, and um, as it says in the Lutheran Study Bible, if, if you guys have that, um, which um, I have, it says... Uh, that it is uh, that switch or that, that movement from one nature of worship to another, in a sense where fulfillment, right? We're not just worshiping the Old Testament system as it's compartmentalized, but as an anticipation, right? Of this nature of worship in a sense where that worship is of Christ himself, right? So that is kind of that changing we're looking at here. Because uh, Jesus is that, as it reads in your... Um, handout uh, from the Mosaic Law, uh, we see that change uh, of priesthood to Jesus, and that is ultimately the answer of your if, and that is perfection, right? And you are perfect. Um, are you a sinner? Are we sinners? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes, right? Do we revel in that? No. Do we struggle with it? Yes. Uh, do we have the answer? Yes. And, and that is uh, the holy uh, spot without blemish in the blood of Christ for us. And this is the changing of the guard, per se. Changing of the guard, is that a good idiom? Changing of the guard. Kind of like this fulfillment of kind of this baton passing from the Old Testament to the New, the fulfillment that is in Christ Jesus, which is perfection, right? So clearly when we talk about uh, uh, the priesthood, uh, Jesus is your true high priest who, who, who cleanses you by his very blood upon that cross. And this is what the Hebrew writer is trying to convey to them. Because if we're stuck, if we're stuck in this, if, of Old Testament, there is no fulfillment here, in a sense, if we're just stuck here, right? If this is all we believe, uh, then the writer is saying, look, you're not going to be perfect. I mean, look, the priesthood dies, right? They had this... Hand me down, uh, uh, and this, the repeating of 
this act over and over again because of their sin. Now, when Jesus comes, it's over. It's finished. You'll never have that finality, right? You'll constantly be in that cycle, and there will be no fulfillment, but yet in Christ there is perfection. And this is the key here, um, is, is the promise of, of, of Jesus and his blood for you. All right, uh, verses 13 and 14, if someone could read that. All right, so um, why is that so important? The, the tribe of Levi, Judah, the difference there, and only the priesthood would come uh, from that line uh, of the Levitical line. Why is this so important from another tribe? What is the writer trying to show the Hebrews? Yeah, that, that this is not solely upon uh, the, the Old Testament way, but it is a fulfillment uh, through his radical nature, and that is uh, the word made flesh, and all that would come uh, from, that, uh, from that seed, and there would be the righteous branch, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? So this is definitely uh, not something that they can trust in the Old Testament way, but a new radical way of that fulfillment beyond their own ideas of trusting in the Old Testament way, right? So clearly what he's trying to really break them off from is to see Christ uniquely as the fulfillment in the midst of trusting in their, their Old Testament way of sacrifice. And, you know, I think, I think as I, you know, number one, it's been great lately for our church to really, it's been busy in a sense of teaching many new people. Just God just continues to provide and, and we have new people being taught. But they all come from different backgrounds, right? And when you, just in my life of ministry, which hasn't been that long, you know, just like 10 years, but hopefully I can go like, Lord willing, Whoa, what, 50, Chris? <laughs> no, I can do 81. <laughs> Anyways, um... Sorry, you asked. Um... Anyways, uh, so... But, but the point is, is that when, when, when I've seen the field for what it is, everyone has kind of their own background, right? Some are, let's say, complete non-believers. Others come from different Christian backgrounds, let's say. Others um, come from more of a, let's say, moralistic background. So I know it's not the same as what we talk here, but the bottom line is for every background that we teach is the uniqueness of Christ in the midst of all that they thought they perceived that they brought to them, all that they before thought what they brought to the table, right? That there is a uniqueness of Christ and there's not many ways to be with God or Cheryl, you know, you're a good person. I'm a good person. You know, whatever. We believe in whatever, you know, 
we'll see each other later, right? When we die because we're good people. Like, it doesn't matter what we believe. It's just, you know, we're good, right? And, and uh, here we see basically that uniqueness of Christ alone. That is the key here of another tribe, right? Uh, that there's no blending in, okay, yeah, okay, he's part of that tribe. Okay, now we'll believe it. No, this is completely radically different than what you compartmentalize in the Old Testament. You, we have to see this all together as a looking forward to uh, because this is so ra radical beyond your own human comprehension. And, and this is what the writer is really trying to target for them. Because trust me, um, it might not be Old Testament worship, but in this day and age, uh, in this, as we contemporize this scripture, it can be very self, that self-righteousness, that legalism that can really infiltrate the heart and mind, thinking that that is the way to save yourself. And trust me, it's not even like overt. It's very subtle. Do, do you know what I mean by that? Like, do you know how, le you know how subtle legalism is? Does anyone, am I just on my own little planet here? No. <laughs> do, do, you know what, do you know what that means? The subtlety of legalism, like, like we know the grace of God, we know the gospel and all this, but how at times in our flesh, subtly we say in a whisper, just, man, I need to show my worth, or I need to kind of be a good Christian as if I need to bring something to the table, or I need to show evidence. Like, I need to bear fruit by my own might rather than God working through me, Right? And it's so subtle at times, and the devil will accuse you to constantly, right? He'll tell you, look, Len, are you sure? I mean, are you sure? Do something to prove it, right? And it's so subtle in a sense of uh, when we talk about, um, I know I'm going off tangent here, but um, how, how quickly we kind of blend or blur this gospel for what it truly is, right? And, um, and here we see clearly that it is something truly unique. Uh, beyond their own human ways of doing things in the Old Testament. That this was a radical outside of their own ideas or their own way uh, as it was mandated in the Old Testament, that this would uh, uh, come from a different tribe, which is radical in itself, right? When it comes to priesthood, right? When it comes to what they thought was part of this line. So again, um, foreshadowing the radical nature of God, uh, that is what, um, as we look at these two verses shows what the writer is trying to do or teach the people. There's an interesting radical parallelism here, too. The Jews thought to believe, hey, it all had to come from the Levitical line. And God is saying, through Jesus, no. The Jews believed that they were the only chosen people. Gentiles, through too. Jesus, he says, no, it's everyone. Todos. Gentiles included. That's right. And Toto Amundo, for sure, for all the world, right? Um, and that was, you know, in the text this morning, right? That, and Dave just brought it up. He's like, it's, that was the offense. Because those Elijah, Elisha were outside. I mean, they went to those outside of Israel. And for those of Israel, it's like, wait, hold up. <laughs> Jesus, like, why are you telling us this? And that's what caused offense. And you're right. You know, it's for Jew and Gentile, right? This this gospel. So, very good, very good. Um, it's a, yeah, Glenn. It's always uh, it's always great to see you and Cheryl here. After all, it is your birthday month. So, um, <laughs> that's right. Too bad it's not my retirement month. <laughs>
<laughs> but that here in retirement, you still work hard. You still work hard in retirement, or so I've heard. It never stops. Somehow, some way, some shape. Uh, anyways, uh, okay, uh, speaking of that, verse 15 and 17, if someone could read that, 15 to 17. All right. So uh, when we talk about what the writer is trying to do here, uh, what is the key difference here that he's bringing up in this text about Jesus? What is the uniqueness in, in, uh, let's say, hint, um, uh, 16? What is the uniqueness? Yeah, because from that law would come the Levitical line, of course. And now we see Judah, right? We see all these uniquenesses of Christ. And again, you know, when we talk about indestructible life, uh, we live in a world where people don't believe that Jesus is God. Right? We believe in a world that says Jesus is just a good, good model, role model, example. All world religions believe that Jesus ex- existed, right? I think all world religions do. Um, but they just don't believe that he is God or that he is indestructible or the resurrection, right? They don't believe in all that, right? But we're talking about indestructible life. What is that saying about the Levitical line right there? Just implying clearly that their lives are mortal, mortal destructible, right? Imperfect. Destructible, imperfect, right? So perfect is Christ. Perfect is eternal. That is him. And therefore, because of what, who he is, he delivers, uh, again, indestructible life. Why is that so important? Because as true high priest, not only is he eternal, right? Uh, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, but even death upon the cross. Yes, he died, but would that destroy him? No, right? Three days later, we know the, the story of the resurrection, and, and here we see, why is that the center and the core of, of what this writer is trying to speak of here is because this is what is eternal. Jesus and his promises are also eternal. So when you talk about your faith, your eternal promise is, is given to you by another tribe through the indestructible life as his resurrection proves, 1 Corinthians, right? If Christ was not raised, we would, our faith would be futile. We would still be in our sins, right? And that resurrection is that proof that death does not overcome Christ, but actually he subdues and overcomes it for you. So when we talk about the uniqueness of Jesus, no Levitical high priest could die for you. Could he? I mean, I mean, I mean, Dave could die for me, but... I don't know why he would. I mean, you know what I mean. It would be no point, right? Uh, 
uh, because we need the perfect sacrifice the lamb without blemish. So um, here, as you look at your notes, uh, you are a priest forever. And this is uh, Psalm 110, another account of Melchizedek from Genesis 14 as well. Genesis 14, Psalm 110, also here in Hebrews uh, as we talk about him. But yeah, I like that word, so I'm going to say it. I like typing it out. The permanence of the Lord <laughs> not only supersedes, I thought supersedes was also, I thought it was a C, not an S. But is it a C? I thought it was, but then the red line came up. Anyways, uh, it bothered me. The permanence of the Lord no, not, no, not only supersedes the ways of man, but also uh, before the Levitical law was, as Dave would always like to say, I am, right? Um, and this is the order of Melchizedek. It is Christ. Uh, yes. So... From what was temporary, again, this is, again, that if. What was temporary now in Christ is what? Is eternal. And what he has done when he says to tell us that it is finished, we very well know it is. Finished is another word for complete, which is another word for perfect. Right? It is perfect. It is complete. It is done. And, and this is the fulfillment. So, again, we see that shift. Uh, from the Old Testament to the New and how radically it was, for this is how it ought to be because this is the will of God and that is your salvation. Right? And that is what he's trying to teach the people, the uniqueness of Christ. Um, because if it's not the uniqueness of Christ, where are we inevitably going to go? If we don't have and have faith in the uniqueness of Christ and what he has done, what, what, is the next, what is our next words out of our mouth if we don't have the uniqueness of Christ and our one true faith? What? What is our next words that come out of our mouth? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, if, it's, if there's no uniqueness in Christ, we might as well just be the world religions that are in this world. It's just, it's what you do for that pursuit of righteousness, right? So we're talking about the uniqueness of Christ. This is what really puts an end to all of that chatter of what we need to do to save ourselves. Rather, it is only Christ and the gospel for us. Right? So this is very important, that uniqueness of Christ is everything to us in the one true faith. And that's why when you go to the Apostles' Creed, Article 2, uh, there you should read it constantly, because you'll see his uniqueness in his humiliation, exaltation, in his nature of hum uh, as true God and true man, another good, um, <clears throat> which is a segue. You should uh, watch that Thursday. Um, is it Thursday? Yeah, the small catechism that we do every week. But, um, and it's live. No editing. Very humbling, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes I say things like, oh, can't take that back. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Verse 18, if we can read that. Verse 18. <clears throat> the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. All right. Wow. So what they had done, what is it described as? Weak and uselessness, or this uselessness, right? And, and I mean, these words, as the writer is describing their old way of life, um, we know is true, but yet, what's the temptation? I mean, 
But that's what we've always... That's the way we've always done it. Do we ever say that in life? No, we never say that. No, we never say that, right? Um, <laughs> that's the way we've always done it. I mean, but the writer's saying, no, that's, if that's all that there is, again, it's, this was mandated, of course, in the Old Testament, but it didn't stop there. It actually was a, a, for, a foreshadowing of what is to come. Now, if we just cut it off there, then it's just like, okay, this is all... If it's without Christ, what does it become? It, just, it, it becomes what he's saying, useless and weak. Right? So, so whatever it may be in your life, if it's, if it's just moralism or your do-goodism or your self-righteousness, if that's all it's become, it is weak and useless, right? Now, with Christ, when we talk about our righteousness, when we talk about our good works and the joy of the Lord, there we see kind of that, that oneness in what this looks like as we bear good fruit in this, in this life. But when it becomes compartmentalized, right? So like Jesus did that, and now Chris is going to take the baton, and she's going to make this a transactional faith where Jesus did 50, I do 50, and then we have salvation. That is useless and weak because that is really departing from the uniqueness of what Christ has done in the all-atoning sacrifice. It is finished for you, right? <laughs> Anyways, um, do, do you see how that compartmentalizing works? Do you see it? And, and this is what's happening here. If there is a compartmentalizing from the Old Testament and the New, like if people say, oh, we don't read the Old Testament anymore. I'm like, why? <laughs> why don't you read the Old Testament? Oh, Jesus is not there. I'm like, huh? Jesus is? I mean, look. Look at the first three chapters of the Bible. It's there, right? So it's like, huh. That's interesting. Anyways, but we, we, we look at everything as a, as we talked about this morning, uh, the story of salvation of Christ Jesus alone, Old Testament to New. And that's why we read the Bible, for all it is, because it's connected, right? But when we disconnect, there is weakness and uselessness, because the fulfillment is lost, the anticipation is you know, ignored, and there we just kind of stick with our old ways, right? Anyways. Hopefully, um, uh, and that was a great stumbling block for the, the people. Anyways, verse 19. Verse 19, our last question today, or verse. So could read that. The law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. So what is the better hope? Yeah, I mean, for the Old Testament, their hope was the, the law. Now, with the fulfillment, the hope was transferred in the sense of from the law to the, the anticipation of the gospel. And, and here we see what? Uh, clearly that the law made nothing perfect, right? But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near. How do we, how do we draw near? How do we draw near to God? Do we... Um, Oh, remember that video game where you jump from vine to vine? Pitfall. Pitfall. There you go. Oh, Tom was a gamer back in the day. I remember playing that on the Apple IIe. Anyways, um, green screen, dot matrix printer. And when you uh, procrastinate on your 15-page 
writing exam and you're trying to print it out at 7 o'clock in the morning, it takes 30 minutes, <laughs> and you're like, the bus is coming, I got to go to school. Anyways, sorry, the picture of my life. <laughs> like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, come on. Left, right, left, right, left, right, you know. Remember that, Glenn? You know what I'm talking you're laughing. All right. <laughs> the dot matrix printer. Oh, um, and the... the <laughs> yeah, and then you'd have to perforate the, yeah. the size and bend and... Anyways, I think Anthony, Anthony, do you remember that? Oh, yeah. he does, or he's a, yeah. oh. Anyways, <laughs> um, floppy disks. Oh, great. Um, so, um, anyways. Oh, they are they? Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Sorry, sorry, bad, bad uh, tangent there. But, um, but again, this drawing, oh yeah, drawing near this pitfall, everyone thinks that we're kind of going from vine to vine um, in hopes of trying to draw near. But this drawing near is, remember, uh, what we talk about uh, the temple, drawing near uh, the priest would uh, uh, for us, but now because of Christ and what he has done, we draw near by his reconciliatory work. Right? That is how we draw near. We're not jumping on these vines, and if you play pitfall, sorry if you haven't, you won't get the analogy, but we're not trying to go from vine to vine, hoping to draw near by our own law, because it, it doesn't make us perfect, but we draw near by the blood of Christ and what he has done for us, right? I don't know if that's a good example. Well, the, but... priest, the priest was imperfect, and he would act as an intermediary between the people and God. That's right. And Christ is perfect, so he's the perfect intermediary yeah. between us and God. We can draw closer because he is perfect. Yeah. More like he is God, right? Yeah, the all right. sacrifice, right? So from what they did to old, the, in the Old Testament, uh, that would only go so far. And if it's detached from Christ, well, it's useless and weak. Uh, but with Christ, you're right. It, it is the fulfillment and drawing near is like, we'll read later, right? Uh, in Hebrews, like, let us draw near with assurance sprinkled by the blood of Christ. Like, that is what it, how, that is your assurance knowing that, yeah, you, you, you do have that access to God all by His work. So you're not wondering if God is with you. He is. Do you believe that? Every single moment of your life, God is with you. Like not when you want Him to be there or when you think He's there or when you feel that He's there, but actually His scripture says, I am with you. And this is... This is that very reality of what he brings to the table for you. Anyways, um, yes, drawing near is the assurance of the gospel. The law is unable to perfect us, but the gospel perfects us through the high priest, Jesus Christ. Now, last question. Uh, through the law comes a knowledge of sin. Why is this an important Bible verse in terms of our own spiritual perfection? Through the law comes a knowledge of sin, Romans. Why is this an important verse? Bible verse in terms of our own spiritual perfection. Do you know what I mean by that? Well, without recognizing that we are sinful, without recognizing our sin, we wouldn't have a need for Christ who makes us perfect. That's right. Very good, Gary. We wouldn't know that we need Christ to make us perfect. Yeah, because if the law could perfect you, Don, right? If the law could perfect you, why would you need Christ? And that's the uniqueness, don't you see? Like in our world today too, it's like, no, you don't know. You, you can't call me a sinner. What are you talking about? 
you don't know me. I'm a good person. I'm like, well, you, you, you might do a lot of good things. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't, but when you talk about being born into sin, that, for me and you, that's a fact, right? Um, and through the law comes that knowledge, but yet our spiritual perfection is, our beginning of wisdom is Christ and, and seeing our sin and what he has done for us. So why does the Hebrew writer focus on Christ and his spiritual perfection through his life and death and resurrection? Why is that so important here? All that he talks about, see, he, he really does a roundabout way trying to fill the gaps for the people. But why, I mean, why does the Hebrew writer focus on Christ uh, for spiritual perfection? I mean, it's obvious, but I just want to hear it from you guys. Because the law couldn't, the law couldn't and there is no other name given unto man by which we are saved, right? Acts 4.12. And this is where his uniqueness really magnifies what that means for our own assurance and forgiveness and in the gospel in itself, right? So uh, when that time comes, you know, when we talk about um, our life of faith and when we all take our last breath, let's say, this is to which we cling, the indestructible word of God. Now, we're not wondering where we're going. Or I hope, we'll see, I don't know, we'll see when we get there, or if not, but rather, by his all-atoning sacrifice, we know that um, we are his children, covered to eternity for the forgiveness of our sin. And that's the uniqueness of Christ, right? That's why every Sunday, what do you hear? You know what you're going to hear, but you need to hear it. Because as you hear it, there Christ points you, to his life-saving work. And that is what you need to hear because this is who you are. So, anyways, um, why, don't we, <laughs> why don't we end there? Uh, but yeah, why don't we close uh, with a word? It's getting late. Let us pray. Uh, dear Holy Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we know that the law shows us that we are imperfect, but Lord, through your gospel that you have given to us by your grace, you have made us perfect uh, by the atoning of our sins. Lord, bless us this day in your work and, and grant us the conclusion and the uniqueness um, of only Christ. Bless us this day in the joy of the gospel and, and Lord, lead us, O oh Lord, only in the merits of your work. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.